Hey guys, and welcome to What Was Her Name? The show where I will uncover the stories of domestic abuse survivors. I'm your host, Maya Hoover. Hey guys, and welcome to What Was Her Name? Uh, my name is Maya Hoover, and I'm the host of the podcast, What Was Her Name? Uh, today, I am on the podcast with uh, a very brave individual who um, is joining me anonymous today. Um, we're just going to call you Jill. <laughs> I don't know what to call you. We're just going to, we're just going to, if I refer to you, I'll just refer to you as Jill for some reason. That's the name that comes to my mind. But um, I'm really looking forward to just having this conversation. Thank you for joining me. Um, so I think the initial question that we're all wondering is how you met this individual. So how did you guys meet? So we actually graduated from the same high school, but I didn't meet him until about three years after I graduated and we met on Bumble. Okay. How long was the relationship? Um, Just about three years. Three years. And were you guys married? No, we were not. You were not married. Um, how long? No, I just asked that. Sorry. Um, can you describe how the relationship was in the beginning? Um, he was always buying me like gifts and bringing me flowers and just like always like kind of like very long text messages about how perfect I was and like how much he wanted me to be his girlfriend and just like a lot of love bombing and like made me feel very special at first. Mm. Yeah. Did you ever question like, is this love bombing or at the time, did you even know what that was? I guess at the time I like didn't really know what it was and people started posting about like what love love bombing was like a year into our relationship and when I started seeing like threads about it on reddit or whether it were on like tumblr or um instagram like it kind of made me think like hmm, maybe like I was love bombed but then I also kind of justified it like oh maybe he was just being really sweet and now he's not being sweet mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's always really interesting how in the beginning of a relationship, I mean, like we're always putting our best foot forward in the relationship, I would say. That's pretty just general and normal. Um, but I do think there's a difference in somebody masking characteristics or behavior that doesn't align with who they actually are versus like we all put our best foot forward and then at some point we all have shit that comes out and everyone has shit, but we all kind of just kind of figure out what shit you want to deal with and put up with and what you don't. And you work through things together as a couple versus like, okay, this person is portraying something that is not real. And then as the relationship continues, so the unraveling begins. And then often like the partner who like the woman who's being abused is trying to get back to that point where they try to get back to that person or the beginning of the relationship, how that person was. But what people don't realize until usually you're out is like that person's not coming back because that person wasn't actually real. Like that was a facade. Yeah. Yeah. When did you first notice that something was wrong? Um, Probably when I was about eight weeks pregnant with our daughter, mm -hmm. um, he would go out and let me preface this by saying that he told me that he was going to stop drinking and using um, recreational drugs. And he would go out for like, he'd go out golfing for the day and he'd tell me he'd be home by like three or four and then three or four would turn into like eight or nine and then eight or nine would turn into like 9 a.m the next morning mm -hmm. and the first time that happened I was kind of just like okay maybe like he 
like, I don't know. I was justifying his behavior for so long that it, like, I sound kind of stupid, like, saying it out loud, but I would just say, like, oh, maybe he, like, fell asleep at a friend's house where, like, but I knew he was with a friend that was choosing to make those same choices that he said he was not making. Mm. And, um, that would happen pretty often and then the night that I realized something was really 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 wrong was when I was I was probably about three months pregnant at the point and I had hyperemesis and I was at home just like super super sick and he decided that he was going to go golfing again and um I like was blowing up his phone just telling him like hey like I think I need to go to the hospital like something's not right I'm really not feeling good like I need you to come home and he just never came home and then when he did come home it was probably like 1 a.m and he puked all over my bed and peed all over the bed as well and proceeded to pass out in both of those things and when I tried to wake him up he would not wake up and because he was so obliterated and um by the time I did wake him up he like got mad at me that there was puke on the bed because he thought it was for me mm-hmm. and I like asked him to get up and clean it up and he would not get up and clean it up and I had to clean it up while I was like puking my own brains out mm-hmm. and um that's when I like started to realize like okay this person that he had portrayed to me like he like very connected to God has a good relationship with Jesus um doesn't seek out like drugs and alcohol um like that's not who this person is like it just wasn't who he was um like per- who he had portrayed himself as for the first like so long of our relationship mm-hmm. and at this point like do you feel like he himself realized that he had a problem or do you think it's like an is he an alcoholic would you say I'd say yeah he was an alcoholic and um but like he would go days without drinking or weeks without drinking even. And then when he did drink, he would turn into this like monster that I wanted nothing to do with because he was so mean and so mm-hmm. aggressive. And so like, I didn't know when he was drinking right? or if he was hiding it from me even, but um, yeah, I'd say he definitely has alcoholic tendencies. Yeah. And so this was at the point when you first started to notice was some that something was wrong. Do you feel like from this point moving forward, was there just like continuous like situations outside of the drinking that was happening? If so, can you maybe share a couple of examples just of how the abuse started to manifest really? Um, yeah. So after that night, he said that he wasn't going to drink anymore and wasn't going to use um like any drugs like besides um cannabis because we were both like I wasn't at the time but I was okay with him using it mm-hmm. and um I like was like okay that's fine you can use it but like I really would like to see like you work on this drinking issue that you have and um after that night like he like bought me flowers the next day and like sent me a really long text or wrote me like a really long like note about like how much he loved me how much he couldn't lose me um like trying to kind of like make sure that I would stay with him but then hours later he would tell me that I was the problem that it was me that was making him go drink because he was so stressed out about like how I was treating him Mm. and um it was just this like constant cycle of him fucking up and then like not remembering what he did the night before or the day before and then the next day he'd feel guilty and buy me flowers or buy me a gift or take me to dinner somewhere nice and 
the cycle just like started to like establish itself of him like getting upset with me about my own political views because this was like at the beginning of when Trump and Biden were in the like candidacy for president and I personally like he's a very conservative person and I'm more so like I just want everybody to have what they need to live I don't really get into politics and he didn't like that about me Mm. and so we would he when I say we I mean he would always like try to bring that up and I established a firm boundary of like I don't want to talk about this because it's just going to lead to fights Mm -hmm. and he would always like bring it up and say like people like me were the problem in this country and pretty much putting like every problem that he saw in the world onto me and saying that like it was my problem that like this was the way things were and um yeah and then like he'd realize that he shouldn't have said that and buy me a gift and anytime that that like anytime we had a disagreement or um something like that like it was always my fault Hmm. but then he would try to make up for his actions the next day right right like he would try to kind of like smooth it over by yeah yeah I and the phrase for this um are you familiar with this like the cycle of abuse like the wheel um I've yeah I've seen it before yeah I always think that's really interesting because I mean, whether it's, I was just talking to a friend about this today, like whether it's romantic or even like familial abuse, um, that cycle of abuse is like so consistent and it really is like, okay, there's a tense buildup and an explosion, whatever that may be a fight or a physical altercation or some sort of drastic mood change, whatever the abuse is. And then after that is like the honeymoon stage where things are kind of mellowing out. And then you begin to think, oh, well, maybe they're going to change or maybe that's a one-off or, well, maybe things are really going to be different this time. And then you get comfortable and then boom, you're back in the cycle again. And it like never ends, but it's like, very confusing when you're in it, when somebody is like circling back and trying to like resolve the problem in some way, shape or form, even if they're not really even aware that they have a problem or they're like just a manipulative person and they're just trying to like smooth over the issue for the sake of continuing to manipulate you. It's really confusing when you're in that situation to like see straight. It it was very hard to see straight because I always was, I was that person that like, okay, like he's actually going to change this time. He mm-hmm. like really meant that he was sorry and that like, he's going to take these steps to get help and change. But then that phase would just end and we would just like argue about little things and then it would become a big thing. Mm-hmm. And his thing was that like, I brought up like the past a lot like whenever like not always but whenever we would like argue or he would be um like manipulative or I could like kind of sense that he was gonna go out and drink I'd like remind him like hey do you remember when this happened like this is the reason that I feel so anxious about this because I like we have an infant and I can't have you coming home wasted when like she might need you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And how would he usually respond to that? Um, He would get really upset that I would bring up the past and say that like, we're moving towards the future and like the past is in the past and like, we can't keep bringing it up. But that was like a really big thing for me was that like I couldn't get past what happened in the past because I was so hurt and like it was just this constant cycle like maybe if the cycle had ended I could have gotten past what happened in the past but it was like I couldn't get past it because I knew it was going to happen again right yeah 
how do you feel like this was like managed or how did you cope with this? Like, I think while you're in the thick of it, um, I mean, even, I think even that phrase, like, well, what's like, it happened. It's in the past. It's like kind of like minimizes your experience because while it did happen in the past, it's still very present and still something that is impacting you. And so I think it's hard when like you have a partner who is invalidating your feelings essentially, um, which kind of sounds like what he did a lot of times. Yeah. And that's exactly how it felt. Like it was like, he wasn't taking like my experience. I knew it because, and I, I feel like that was hard for him to do because half the time he didn't remember what happened. So like he didn't see me crying or locking myself in the bathroom just to get away from him or like going on six mile runs at night because I just couldn't stand to be around him. Wow. Yeah. I think that resonates and hits really deep. Um, because like, I think in this space, like we share a lot about like abusive men and like the experiences that we have or the actions that they have. But I think really digging deeper into like how we handled those situations um, is actually a really important topic because I think some of the most painful memories, even like in my own past with my ex-husband, it actually isn't really the abuse in and of itself, but the aftermath after when I was like in the bathroom and locked myself in and was sobbing on the floor or behind a bed weeping or like you said like out at night just to avoid being at home like walking or doing whatever to just to just survive like mentally I think that hits really deep for a lot of people in this space yeah and a lot of my coping mechanisms like they really came in like as me just like pretty much dedicating my whole self and all of my energy to my daughter just like looking at her and like knowing that like this was not going to be her future and I had to do everything in my power to get us out of that house um like so like I just like pour everything into her and I was a full-time student I was working full-time so like luckily I guess like that kind of kept my mind pretty busy Mm -hmm. and I was almost like on like autopilot like just like doing everything I could to hopefully get out of that house one day and I started gardening so that like I didn't have to be in the house with him during the day even Mm -hmm. um and I would spend just like 12 hours outside in my garden which was like maybe 50 feet by 10 feet so like it wasn't a very big space but like I made it like I'm like put in so much work to it that like it was probably overbearing of my garden a little bit like just like overdoing it but that's how like I escaped was just like always finding little projects to do or like always finding something to do that did not involve him that like I knew he would not want to be a part of Hmm. wow I think it's interesting like just to know in which ways we coped um because I think it varies for each person in this space um I think it's really powerful. You said like you would find ways to the ways in which you coped like hobbies um, were ways in which you knew he wouldn't want to be a part of. Um, I think that's like super powerful because I don't know. I think the way that like a woman copes in the middle of abuse um can vary from like, you know, for me, it was like, it was actually like a lot of it, I think was like cooking and eating. And I like gained a lot of weight through that experience. And for a long time had to have like a, I had to like, let go of that shame because I was like, you know, that helped me survive. Like 
I, my body was doing what it could to survive and it gained weight, but like cooking for me was something that I found a lot of joy in. And, um, I think, you know, like you said, like, I think you said, just gardening, right. Yeah. Is one of your examples. And so it's like just doing things to keep your mind preoccupied, but also like to separate yourself from that situation. It's just really, um, I think we all just have such different ways that we cope with it. Do you feel like there were unhealthy ways that you coped with it? Um, I think the hobbies, I think that's really like finding ways to remove yourself from the situation, but also what are ways in which you look back and you're like, yeah, my body, like this was manifesting in my body in an unhealthy way. And I coped in this way that maybe wasn't the best. Um, I like, I think looking back, like I always was like, picking at my skin or like biting my nails and just like trying to like have some sort of control over something um I would like he didn't like when I spent money so I'd go out and buy a bunch of food that like I knew I wasn't gonna eat like from restaurants and more food than one person should need but like I would like stuff myself full and I I also did gain a lot of weight like when I was with him but once I realized like how much weight I was gaining, it like kind of made me feel a little bit safer that like maybe he wouldn't want to touch me or mm-hmm. like do things with me that like I didn't want to do, but that didn't end up working out. So I like ended up starting eating healthier again because I wanted to like be able to like have the strength or like be physically fit enough that like if he were to try to attack me, I'd be able to like withstand my own like like I'd be able to like withstand him even though he's like a 300 pound guy who like has years of hockey experience and just like wanted to be able to defend myself against him Mm -hmm. and um another unhealthy way was like I was using a lot of cannabis like more than I should have Mm -hmm. because then that like made me like a parent that like wasn't super present with my daughter Mm-hmm. Um, and like, just like any time I could sleep or nap, like I was going to sleep or nap because I, I didn't have to think when I was sleeping, like I could just kind of escape. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like sitting in my car for hours on end, just like being not super productive and, um, yeah, just like kind of like willowing away to nothing. It kind of felt like like I was just like like I didn't know if I was going to like get out of there or not and just a lot of like self-doubt and um a lot of like picking at my skin or even like finding a hair on my body that wasn't that didn't look right. I'd like pull it out because it was just something that I had control over. Mm-hmm. How does it feel like, like, I know where you're at now and in like the process that you're at, like we've been on and off, like talking about just your escape and like now where you're at um, and what's going on in life. And how do you feel hearing yourself talk about the ways in which you coped? Like, does that make you feel sad? Is it kind of like unreal to even realize that was your life? Like, what do you feel when you're talking about this? Um, I feel sad and also like a bit anxious. Like, why didn't I leave sooner? And just like a lot of like self-doubt almost like um, like a lot of sadness and just like kind of like disappointment in myself for like not. I don't know. I I did everything I could, but like, I guess not seeing the signs sooner and like just a lot of sadness and anxiety Yeah, about who I was at that time. Like I lost a lot of friends because I like distanced myself so much from them because I didn't want them to like know who he was. Mm -hmm. Um, But looking back like I wish I would have like let my friends in because now like 
they left. Hmm. Your friends, like they left during They that. left. Yeah. Like I don't really talk to a lot of them anymore because like they got tired of me never showing up for them or like being there for them because, but like I never gave them the reason why I wasn't mm. showing up for them. Yeah. I think it's really valid to feel sad. Um, and I, I ask that question because it's like, you know, I think giving yourself the space to recognize ways in which you've coped and then asking yourself like, and tuning into your body of like, where am I feeling this emotion? And I feel, you know, I'm quoting you, like, I feel sad. I feel, but it sounds like a bit of shame, um, and regret. And I think it's important as like women who have survived traumatic experience to take a step back and get really honest with ourselves and allow ourselves that transparency to recognize how we feel about a situation that we've endured and experienced and maybe our response to that that trauma um and releasing ourselves from that because i think when we don't do that we carry certain we carry like that anxiety or we carry that shame and even though we may not realize it, we are allowing for that to like manifest in our lives. And I do, I do personally believe it impacts the relationships we choose moving forward, the, our ability to like pursue our dreams and goals and believe in ourselves to really like fight for and cultivate a life. Like, and I think being in tune with like, and asking yourself for those who are listening, like asking yourself how you feel about ways in which you responded and allowing yourself to be released from that um in kind of reshaping that in your mind because i think like taking let's take like the sadness i think it's valid to feel sad about that because it is sad like to know that you had to survive in those ways and it was manifesting in those ways is sad but by the same token it's also really empowering to be able to be out of that situation and to reflect and be able to identify the ways in which you coped that were unhealthy because at one point you couldn't do that you had to step back and see it for what it was and I think you were like too up close to be able to like really see how truly unhealthy it was and how truly unhealthy you were at that time because of the abuse that you were experiencing and so um I think it's empowering. I also think like, as far as like, um, shame goes or regret, I think people who aren't aware of like, or maybe even just don't have the, um, awareness about abuse. I think friends definitely come and go, but I think it takes a special kind of friend to weather abuse alongside of somebody. And I think one of the hardest and most most treasured things about this is that unfortunately, like you will learn who your true friends are when you go through abuse because a lot of people are going to leave and a lot of people are going to say, well, what did she do wrong? Or, well, what's his side? Or, well, you know, she just, why did she stay for that long? I'm tired of giving her advice because she doesn't take it. So therefore I'm going to remove myself from this friendship. And it's painful because you lose friends, but it's also really, I think, beautiful because you, it opens the way for you to find people who will be present with you. And it takes time. It took me years to find that community, but I am starting to find that. And now I'm like the friendships that I wept over, I'm thanking the fact that they left because I really didn't want to be surrounded by people like that anyways. And so just an encouragement for you or for other people who are listening, who are like, I feel so lonely. I don't have community or I, you know, had these friends and I just didn't show up from it, show up for them in this way. Like you experienced something really fucking hard and there was no heads up to it. None. 
and yeah. like genuine authentic friendship is weathering storms alongside of somebody and it's really hard to find people who have integrity and who have empathy to weather storms with people um but they are out there and i think if you're listening and you feel alone like it is definitely out there and i think finding communities even within the domestic abuse community that have gone through the similar things it's like you guys have like we like we have like the same empathy for each other because we're kind of like interlinked together and so i think it's really beautiful how so many women end up finding each other and most of my really good friends are survivors because i've met them through this process which is pretty cool but I know it's like, it's hard and there's regret there, like you were saying, but I think you're actually quite, I think it's actually quite a gift to have those people removed from, from your life, to be honest. I'm, I'm definitely learning that because it's like kind of opened up a space or that space for like someone who's more genuine and like has my best, like the best interest in mind like and realizes that like not only did I have to get out of there safely but I also had to get my daughter out of there safely mm-hmm. yeah yeah what would you say was the climax of your abuse story like the point in which I think we all kind of have a climax where we're like okay like, this is not, I can't, this is not sustain sustainable. Like I need to like remove myself from this situation. Um, we couldn't even like him and I couldn't even talk to each other without having explosive arguments. So it just came to the point where we just weren't talking to each other at all. Mm-hmm. And then if I did t- try to like joke around with him, um, like when I made up my mind that I was actually leaving him, he had taken the bathroom door off the bathroom because he said that I didn't need privacy in there. And um, the night after he, or like not the, right, the night right after that, but a couple nights after that, like I was trying to like see, like I was just like joking around with him and I tried to tickle him and he threw a plate of chicken nuggets at me. Mm-hmm. And our daughter who was just turning, she had just turned two at the time. Um, she was standing right there and I like looked at her and I looked at him and I just like thought like this is not this is not like gonna work at all ever because one if she ever dated someone or chose to stay with someone like even though they were an abusive person like one tenth to the degree that he was I would be really like sad for her Mm -hmm. and I don't want like her being with someone like him. And so, um, and like the phrase that like girls grow up and date guys that are just like their dads, like went through my head because my dad is also like very verbally abusive and, um, very like slams his fists on things. And, um, I never saw him hit my mom, but I've definitely seen him make my mom cry more than once. And I didn't want my daughter to grow up like watching me weeping because of the way her dad was treating me. And so the climax was just like him taking my bathroom door off. And because I didn't need privacy, him telling me that I could no longer go for runs at night because he thought that I was cheating on him, even though he had my location and could see that I was literally running for five miles like around our city And, um, like when he said that, like, like I kind of was like my relationship with God was like wrong. Like I didn't have the correct relationship with God, I guess he -hmm. thought, um, I just, I, that was the point that I was just like, yeah, this, this can't happen anymore. Um, and all the previous times that he had abused me um like when I was pregnant and he dumped pasta all over the floor and told me that it was my job as a woman to clean it up or the time that he 
pushed me and I almost fell down the stairs or the time that he threw up in the bed like that just like all replayed in my mind like a movie and I was just I just couldn't anymore so at that point I just got a storage unit and started telling him I was donating a bunch of stuff and I don't know. I, even at that point, like I was still hoping he would make like this drastic change that like would show me that he was going to be a better man. Right. Yeah. It makes me like emotional just because um, like I remember the night where you had texted me and you were like surprised that he threw chicken nuggets at you. Do you remember that? Yeah. And I was like watching you like like I was watching the inward like turmoil of like do I leave? Do I not? The hope of maybe things will get better. Um, yeah. And I remember you said that to me and my heart sank because I mean, I knew obviously since I'm out and I'm also like, not, I have no bias. I'm like, yeah, you should like leave this, like this guy's abusive and it's unhealthy. But for you watching that inward turmoil um, and watching you go back and forth, I was like, hoping that would be what would like catapult you to like remove yourself. And I remember like you sending that picture of the storage unit and I cried because I was like, fuck, that's so beautiful. Like, it's like something that I remember you sent me the picture and I was like, this is like such a simple thing. It's like, oh, a storage unit. People are like, people would be like, yeah, I got a storage unit. It's like, what's the big deal? But it's like that storage unit represents so much for you because that was like an active decision and an active choice to believe in something more for yourself and not only for yourself, but for your daughter outside of the yeah. abuse you're experiencing, which is so courageous and brave and goes far past the point of like, oh, it's a storage unit. No, this is actually like you choosing a better life for yourself and for your daughter. And that was a massive moment. And I knew like she is gonna get out and I don't know. It's just funny, not funny, but it's like wild to like listen to you talk about this because like you're out now, but it's like that, like you're out now, but it's crazy to think like how much happens within that time frame and like how the more that you're out, the more that you see what happened and you're like, man, like this makes me so sad that I didn't see this in it. And now I'm out and I'm like, what the fuck was I doing? Why didn't I just leave sooner? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And like, I think that I hope that like, if he like had a relationship with Jesus, that like he would sort of, I don't know, like God would redeem him sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But like, I was like, I had a really close relationship with Jesus, like when I first started dating him. And then like, once the abuse started I just was like yeah like really angry at God and um just like couldn't really understand like I just felt really far from God like like I wasn't talking to him enough or like maybe this was the lesson I had to learn or something like that but I couldn't understand why because I had already experienced a lot of grief in my life um and I like once I kind of removed myself from like talking to him about God or everything like that, like he like started asking me if I would go to church with him or if I would do a Bible study with him. But like at that point, like I was kind of embarrassed to be with him. And I like, even though like God knows all and can see all, like I didn't want to like study the Bible with him or I didn't want to go to church with him because like I I felt like his relationship with God was like kind of not fake but like also like this is what she wants like I'll show her that I can like talk to God too Mm -hmm. and 
Um, so like, and even now, like he's very, like seems to be very into faith and into his faith and like very close to Jesus. But like, it's also like, it's hard to see it as genuine and like he does it for a show sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But also like I didn't, it was like embarrassing to just like stay there. Yeah. So like removing yourself from the abuse and you got the storage shed. Um, can you explain what challenges that you've faced thus far in the aftermath? Um, so when I first got the storage unit, like I was doing like a lot of lying and I've never really been like a dishonest person um, before that because like he would ask me where I was taking stuff and like, oh, I like I'd be like, oh, I'm just donating it. Like, I don't need it anymore. I'm just trying to like pare down on stuff. Um, and I was doing a lot of lying to my family because at this point, like they didn't really know that I was going to be moving out. And then um, just like a lot of like becoming like my own adult sort of thing because I've been with him since I was like 21 years old at just barely drinking age and um now I'm almost 26 and it's like learning to like be in charge of like my own self has been really difficult and now that like I'm fully removed from him and like he gets our daughters some nights of the week when he decides that it's a good night for him pretty much. Um, it's like, it's difficult because he's been really nice and like, I can see that he's like trying to get me back kind of thing, but also like, it's hard for me to like, like now that I'm talking about it, like it's not hard for me to remember the abuse, but like I've removed it from my brain or tried so hard to like forget about it because like I wanted to move forward with my life that it's like like oh maybe he is actually being nice like and it's hard um because also like our daughter she can talk now and she like asks why we don't live with daddy or like why she can only see daddy on certain days or like why some of her friends like I remember this past Monday, one of my friends watched her and she's with her um, husband and they both watched her and she was confused as to why like her, her son had a mommy and a daddy in the home because like my daughter, she probably doesn't like really, I mean, she might remember it. She was two, but like, she doesn't like have that as like her current experience. Mm -hmm. So just like a lot of sadness for her more so like yeah like it's hard for me to feel sad for myself because like I don't know I it's not the worst I had been through in mm -hmm. life and so like I I couldn't justify being sad about it um mm -hmm. and even now like I'm getting emotional but it's like I feel shame for being sad about it because it's not the worst that I've been through mm. and um, just like constantly trying to remind myself that like he might be being nice now, but like it, he is trying to like manipulate me and like emotionally manipulate me or um, just like kind of get me back. But because like in between the niceness, he'll tell me that, like, I threw our family away or that, like, being a family was just so too hard for me. That, like, it's it's not something that I can do, that I, I'm not capable of it. Um, and just, like, living life as a single mom is fucking hard. Like, getting her up every day in the morning before I go to work, like taking her to work with me because like she goes to the school that I work at and we have to be there by seven 30. And before this, like she could sleep in until nine and her dad would take her to daycare cause he was working from home. And so like, it's just a lot of change for her and yeah. 
that's probably the hardest part of the aftermath is like seeing her little brain trying to understand this um Mm -hmm. whole thing and then like me trying to decide if like I want to set up a custody agreement because like I don't want to force her to go over there and um or like even with child support like I filed for child support but they tried to call me yesterday and I didn't answer because I'm hoping that like he'll just like agree to help me pay for her living expenses sort of thing um Mm. but like and like he's being nice now and I don't want his like him getting served child support papers to start making him mean again like I think I just have like a lot of wishful thinking and like kind of like naive thinking that like I need to get my own head out of my ass and see it for what it is I think that it's completely normal I know that it's completely normal to grieve an abusive relationship and I think one of the most mind-bending things coming out of abuse is when you watch someone it's like okay somebody initially acts a certain type of way and that's why you date them like you would never just date or fall in love with an abusive asshole like it is a progressive like pattern it just it happens over time it takes time and then when you leave them finally you're like distraught your mind's all over the place you're like you know you have all of these things manifesting in your body like it's just you're a mess and then that you watch that person almost like transform back into the first person you knew them to be or even better and you're like wait like did I make that up in my head or like wait am I the problem or is my perception off or like should I go back is are they better now like and it's just all like did I am I selfish for leaving that's a big thing with kids it's like am I selfish for leaving like this kid would benefit from father and mother like can I handle the result of having shared custody like and all of these things start to like spin around and it's so normal and it's so hard like you said, it's fucking hard. It is fucking hard, especially if you don't, I don't know what like the familial situation fully looks like, but it's different for all of us. But a lot of people end up back with their families. And a lot of people come from broken homes, abusive homes themselves, whether that's emotionally abusive or just maybe unhealthy family dynamics. Um, And I think it's like really hard to rebuild your life to feel the regret of leaving and then watching somebody who caused so much pain then act seemingly like nothing happened and like you're the problem. Um, And be able to kind of just do this little pony show around people that makes people think they're just the bee's knees and they're actually like kind of terrible. Um, So I can resonate very deeply in that. And I just want you to know that that is very normal, unfortunately, Um, but it does get better. And I remember on the day that I got divorced, um, like officially, because my ex-husband tried to withhold um, getting a divorce. So even though he had signed the papers, because it was like an international divorce, there was a long process. So I was married to him for like a year after, um, even though we were legally separated and he was making it extremely difficult to get divorced. And so the day that I finally, everything was like in order and I, I took the papers and they were signed, but I had to get them notarized. I remember sitting in the parking lot and this was like a year and a half later. And I had this wave of shame and this tiny little voice telling me I needed to go back. Like I had make a, made a mistake and I felt this grief of like, this was the person I loved, the person that I made a child with, the person who is the father of my my kid. And it's really over. And thinking like, should I should I go back? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. what the fuck am I? Like, well, literally what am I? I remember sitting there in the car and like nearly slapping myself because I was like, get out, like snap out of it. Like get out of this because this is just, this is so normal, but it's also like, 
you have to, you have to like stand in front of those thoughts and really question them and really remind yourself what happened to you and the experiences that you had that were real, because they start to over time almost feel like, did that really happen? Or like, how are they acting so normal? Um, yeah. or so good. Am I the problem? And it, it, it becomes like a mind fuck. And so, I remember sitting there though and like reminding myself of everything that happened, everything that he put me through, all of the abuse, all of the, his issues, and then feeling so confident um, that I made the right decision and really just sending that shame into the pit of hell and being like, that yeah. is not happening. Like, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And so, um, yeah, I think all that to say, that's super normal and um, that's why I think it's also important to have community around you who who knows your situation and can be be a reminder for you, like, hey, don't forget, like this happened and this happened. And yeah, yeah. Um, what is something that you can do now that you couldn't do then that you're grateful for? Um, going to like concerts and like spending time with like the friends that like I do still have because like I wasn't really allowed to do that before um because like he wasn't into it and I was cheating on him if I wasn't doing something with him um but just like like I went to a concert last this past Saturday and it was just like like the best feeling ever um just like seeing everybody like dancing and like just like they're out of pure joy and like experiencing that again or even like camping um and just like having like my own thoughts again like oh I want to take a bath and shut the door I have a door to shut I can shut it like just like kind of like being able to like do what I want without having to ask permission for it first. Right. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's beautiful. Um, I think it's crazy. The things that we're grateful for after, um, and you don't realize like, I don't know, like, the longer that you're out, like, I'm just excited to see the process, like the, the longer that you're out, like it literally like makes me, I don't know why I guess I, I mean, I get emotional every episode, but I think just because I've like seen, like I've seen you in it and then out of it. And like, it's like, I don't know. I'm just excited for you to continue to like move forward. Um, because like the more time that goes on, I can't, I can't lie. Like shit's hard. Like this are some of the hardest years of my entire life being out. Um, but like every time that things are really hard, I'm like, well, <laughs> I could be, I could be with him still. So it could be worse. Um, it really could be worse. And it does really get easier in the sense that like your mind starts to like unfreeze and thaw out. And eventually you're like, it's so clear to you, like what's happening. And that's when the real, that's when like the real cultivating starts, the real power and the bravery and the courage and the badassery because it's like you're like yeah I will never go back and even if shit is hard or I have to live with my parents or all my stuff's in the storage unit like I did something really brave and really hard and those little things that now you value um I think they only increase and there will come a point in time where like you're going to be able to walk alongside other people and share your story and it won't be in vain and I don't know. It's just, it's just really, really beautiful. I think so too. Um, my last thing, and then I have to go cause I got to actually pick up my little one from preschool is what are your visions and dreams moving forward? Um, so I'm a teacher and it's, I want to like open like a nature school, like where kids can like come to the forest and just like learn about like anything nature, like where our water comes from or like 
why the leaves fall on the ground in the fall and they stay there all winter but like you come to summer and like a lot of them have disintegrated into soil um and just like more traveling um even if it's just like within my own state to like the upper peninsula or like just like creating this life for my daughter that like I didn't have like a safe home a quiet home a home where there's like no screaming unless like something terrible has happened like someone's life is on the line Mm -hmm. or um just like moving forward with my life with like courage and confidence that like I can do this on my own like even if it's like hard like during the holidays like when her birthday's coming up like I don't know like how we're gonna celebrate it or like how Christmas is gonna be done or New Year's or anything like that like just like having the confidence and courage to know that like even though I might not know everything right now like God's got a plan for me and he will show it to me as like I need to know it Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I think that's beautiful I think like There's just so much in store for you and your child. And I know that like at some point, like our children are going to look back and be grateful that you left because I think there's a lot of parents in like older generations that did not leave and didn't feel like they were Like, I don't think they really would have survived if they left. And I think we're in a time right now where, I mean, abuse is being talked about publicly, um, advocating. There's a lot of advocacy happening, a lot of like legislator like that's changing and legislation that's changing. And it's like, you know, I think that people are making waves and, and advocating in a way that's making waves. And so I think like by leaving, like you're showing like your daughter that like one one day at one point like she doesn't need to abandon herself and it's really heartbreaking to know of like mothers and grandmothers who stayed in abusive relationships because they didn't feel like they had the option to leave or the awareness to even recognize what truly was happening to them and so I think it's really brave and I'm excited to just see what's in store for you and I do believe that God has good plans for you and um for both you and your daughter and you're cultivating something for her. And one day she will look back on this and be grateful. And I think you're also instilling like an, an integrity and a character. Like, I think it says a lot, like, I don't know, like for your daughter at one point to look back on this and to know the story and be old enough to know the story, you know, when she's an, an adult, like, I think there's going to come a point where it's, it really is like you're instilling something in her as well, like these values within her so that at some point, like she can like look and reflect back on what her mom did to like stand up for herself and be brave and be courageous and do the hard things and cultivate a life and get her hands dirty and be a single mom and like weather the storm and all of the things. So you're an incredible mama and I'm just super grateful that our paths crossed and that you came on and shared your story today. I am super grateful that our paths crossed as well. Thank you for um, having me also. Yeah, of course. I um, I feel like this episode was supposed to happen the way it did. Um, some things were sort of like falling through and um, you came on and, and came here and shared your story. And like I see every single season this happens and the 12 slots like are always fit with the right people. So you are meant to be on this episode on this season, season number five. So um, yeah, super grateful for you. Thank you so much. I'm super grateful for you too. All right, guys, tune in next Thursday for the next episode. Um, Just a quick side note. um, I did want to say something really quickly. Um, 
as you know, the Spotify wrapped just came out. If you're um, a Spotify user, it's always really exciting to see all of the music that we listen to and kind of just, it gives us an idea of all of our favorite things um, happening within the year. But I just am really overwhelmed uh, looking at the analytics and seeing that what was her name has grown tremendously. And last year it was uh, streaming in 26 countries in the first year. So as a domestic abuse um, podcast, um, it really is like such a specific niche that I think growing a podcast like this could be difficult because it really is catered towards an awareness, bringing an awareness of domestic abuse. And so let alone it being in the first year, um, streaming in 26 countries was incredible. Um, and then this year, I just found out that it's streaming in 53 countries, which is mind blowing. Um, and I just want to say thank you and just extend gratitude for being in this space. Um, this podcast has changed my life and honestly just kept me going. Um, and I know that we couldn't share stories here if it weren't for listeners uh, showing up and listening to these stories. And you really are in a way, like whether you realize it or not, helping people not feel alone and like their story wasn't in vain. So I just want to say, if you have been listening to what was your name over the last two years, last year, last month, um, thank you for being here. I'm super grateful. Um, if you have a story that you'd like to share, um, you can always apply for um, future seasons and we will continue next week with the next story. Love you guys. like and I, I believe that god uses our stories you know I, I don't have to like i don't necessarily question that but just like curious like you know god how are you going to use this like how are you going to um how, how is this going to play into your kingdom and in loving um loving other people and teaching other people that your love is so much bigger than um sometimes what i think it can be broadcasted as in the in, in the church setting and around marriage and things like that um so maybe that looks like working in a domestic violence center or like helping um victims of abuse in some way um i've thought about like foster care um even and like uh, these are just like really big level like i'm not pursuing any of these right now at this moment necessarily but like um just like this curiosity of I want this to, I, I want, especially other women in the church, I don't want them to feel like this is all there is to life. And like, I know we are not the only people that have been married to seemingly great Christians that turn out to be like this. And I think just, I don't know, like I want to be that open space for women. That's like, I feel like no one else understands or is like giving me the support to like, figure out what is next and like best for myself and I just like want to be a part of that um in some in some way like whatever that looks like so that's just like high level dream of like God like 
what are you doing? Like, what are you, how are you going to use this? How are you going to redeem my story and intertwine it with other people um, and their stories? So, Mm. yeah. It's beautiful. I think you also have like a really beautiful stance because you are pastors, you were a pastor's wife and the more that you unpack, I think you'll be able to speak on that. And you have like a unique story and stance. And so I think, I don't know. I think that I just think it's, it's really beautiful. And I think you're going to be a great advocate for others along the way. Um, and I'm excited to like, see that I'm really happy that we like cross paths. Um, it's always unfortunate that it's because of abuse, but I think yeah. that's the greatest thing like that, what was her name has brought is like, there are just so many heroes in this space and women that I genuinely look up to. And mm. it's just so beautiful to be connected to all of these amazing, brave, courageous women. And so you're one of them. And I'm happy that you are here and that I get to like hold your story in this space for more people to, to yeah. listen and um, re- resonate and relate to. Um, so I think you're already starting that advocacy now as you come here to this space and leave your story here. Thank you. I hope so. I hope the right people are hearing this and not feeling like they're alone, you know? Mm-hmm. 100%. Um, all right. <laughs> well, thank you. for <laughs> We're finished. Uh I'm grateful for you being able to share your story and um, I'm looking forward to just, you know, more friendship with you and just, uh, just really hearing your story along the way and being able to, you know, walk with you through it. Um, It's a lot and it's hard, but I'm very proud of you. And I think like, I don't know, I know God has you and your daughter in his hands and he is protecting you and I know this is not something you probably ever thought you would walk through um yeah there are so many who have walked through it before you and me for the last three years so I mean we've already talked a lot about (laughs) how yeah we've we've talked already about like how it's like yeah it's helpful to talk to people who've been through things a little bit before you but anyways um all right guys well this concludes the episode. Um, there is not going to be an episode tomorrow for Thanksgiving. Um, this is going to just be that bonus episode. And then we will start up again next Thursday. I hope everybody has a good Thanksgiving. I'm super grateful that you're here in this space. Um, if you feel like what was her name has impacted your heart. Um, if you could go to um, Apple podcast and write a review and rate it both on Apple podcast and Spotify, that helps just to increase uh, people to be able to see this um, and come across this podcast. And yeah, if you have any questions or want to reach out or have anything to say to Brittany, um, feel free to message me and I can pass along all of that information to Brittany. Um, yeah, thanks for being here. We couldn't do it without you guys. <laughs>